God is good, amen? Y'all ready for God's word tonight? Say yeah. yeah. Lord, anoint my lips to speak to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tonight is going to be fun. Y'all ready? I love you, real life. You are so incredible. I'm so glad you're with us tonight. We love you so much. We're so proud of you. We're so excited about what God has for you. And uh, tonight is going to be incredible. But here's the thing. Um, some people get on our nerves, right? Can I get an amen to that? Some people get on your nerves. Like, uh, let me give you some examples. Like, you get some new white tennis shoes, right? You get some new white shoes. They're fresh. They're, they're clean. And they're nice looking. And the first day that you wear them, one of your boys walks right up to you and steps right on your foot and puts this nasty, ugly scuff mark on it. And it is totally, it's like, I can't wear this shoe anymore because it's this nasty scuff on my shoe. Like, and immediately when that happens, right, you write them off, right? Okay, you are dead to me right now. Can I get an amen, right? Or how about this? It's that girl you wanted to ask to homecoming. And right before you got the chance, one of your boys asked her first, and now they're dating, right? It's like I am writing him off from this point forward. You're done. You're dead to me. It's, it's over, right? And, and then maybe, maybe you confide in a friend, and you tell them something that you don't want other people to know, but as soon as you let them in on your secret, the next thing they're doing is telling the exact people you didn't want to know, right? And you're like, oh, my gosh, you are now written off. I, I no longer will associate with you. Y'all feel what I'm saying here? Athletes in the room, maybe it's that you wanted that starting position, but they out-hustled you in practice, and now you got to watch them and be their shadow until you earn your right to, to play, right? It's that, man, deep down on the inside, you're like, man, I'm supposed to be a teammate. They are on my team. But deep down on the inside, you're like, I hope they break their leg, right? Yeah? And we write them off. We write people off all the time. But we naturally want to, here's the deal. Uh, we naturally want people to think like we do and behave like we want them to, amen? But when they don't, we are so quick to cut them off. Tonight in week three of our series, Stranger Things, God wants to teach us how to take our faith from unusual to attractive. And I believe God wants you and I to realize this. The main reason the people around us have not changed is because we're not loving them as we should. The main reason our faith is staying unusual and is not becoming attractive to the world around us is because the people we're trying to reach are not being loved as they should be loved. One of the biggest things we can learn from the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ is that he never gave up on people. Jesus Christ never gave up. And the more like Christ we become, the more love we will show to our neighbor and our friends. Amen? Jesus said it like this. He said in Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, he said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
Jesus was an expert at not giving up on people. Jesus was the pinnacle of love. He was the essence of love. He shared love with the most irreputable, disgusting, unfriendly people on the face of this planet. And he never wrote people off. He never cut them off from his love. See, a huge reason we choose not to share our faith is the fact that we doubt the people around us will ever change. The, the main, I believe it with all my heart, one of the main reasons we don't share our faith with the people around us is we don't even believe that the people around us will ever change. The lies start coming into our minds, right? Like, man, they are so entrenched in sin. There's no way that God will ever be their Lord and Savior. They're so deep. I know what they're doing. I know what they're invested in. I know what they're living their life for. There's absolutely no way. So there's not even a point to share my faith with them. Or here's another lie. Maybe, maybe you've bought into the lie that says, well, you already shared your faith with them once, so why do it again? They rejected it one time. They'll reject it again. And I want to ask the person in this room who has dared to share your faith and now you're afraid to because you've already shared it. I want to ask you the question, when's the last time you ate? I'm just being philosophical real quick because I am a living, growing young man. Praise the Lord. And one of the things I love to do is I love to eat. Praise God. How many of y'all like food in the house? Some of y'all been lied to that you've shared your faith once already, so they're not going to receive it the second time. But I don't know about you. For me to sustain and grow and have life in me, i got to eat over and over and over and over again. So some of your friends, all they need is to hear the gospel over and over and over again. And maybe, just maybe, maybe the third, fourth, fifth, or sixth time, maybe that life-giving food, the bread of life that is called Jesus Christ, maybe, just maybe, that food will finally bring life into their spirit. But the lie of the devil will try to keep you. Man, they'll hate me if I tell them. They'll look down on me. Who cares? They will hate you if they're burning in hell and you never said a word. See, I, I, I just started to date Jubilee. Our, our dating anniversary is October 21st, 2000. Yes. That's our date anniversary. date anniversary. And so um, October 21st, we start dating, and just a few weeks later, we had a snow day. And it was awesome because um, we decided instead of doing the safe thing because it was not safe enough to travel to go to our school, we decided that we would take the time and go with a couple of our friends to the underground Atlanta and go do some shopping. Praise the Lord. That was really smart, right? Yeah. And um, so we got in the car, and we, we had the idea, look, it's dangerous to be on the road, so we'll go to the, the quickest MARTA train station, and we'll get on a train and take a MARTA to downtown Atlanta and go shopping. And it was awesome. We, we made it safely. We traveled slowly because the roads really were icy. It was like a blizzard. It was crazy. And um, so we get on the train, and we're having fun. It's my friend Nick and Lisa and Jubilee and I, and we're having fun. We're talking, and we're, we're having conversation. And the next thing we know, we, we come to this stop, and, and it's not our stop, but the next thing Nick, Lisa, and I know is my beautiful soon-to-be bride gets out of her chair and starts walking towards the exit and walks off the MARTA 
train. And we're looking at her. And before we could even say anything, before we could get her attention and say, Jubilee, what are you doing? The door shut, closed. The, the, the double glass doors slammed closed. And the next thing we knew is I'm looking through the double glass doors at my soon-to-be wife, and she's got these little puppy dog, lost puppy dog eyes like, what a... What is going what is going to happen? And and I at that moment you better believe I immediately stepped up. I I thought to myself, I thought, I absolutely love this girl. I've only been dating her for a few days, but I know I'm already in love with this girl. And I said, I am not about to lose her. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I said to myself, no barrier is about to keep me from being with her and sharing life with her right now. And so I did my best Superman impersonation, and I grabbed both sides of those two double doors, and I began with all of my might to rip them open, and God bless, I busted that door wide open. And you better believe that little five-foot, three-and-a-half-inch tall girl jumped through that door as quick as she could and jumped right into my arms. Hallelujah. It was awesome. I was so excited, and the rest of the day was so cool because the rest of the day, y'all know what they called me. They were like, hey, Superman here will do it. You know, we needed something to happen. He's like, hey, ask Superman. He can do anything, right? It was awesome, and we talked about that story for a long time and still look fondly on that memory. Tonight, I want us to realize that we have the power within us to rip open the barriers that prevent our friends from enjoying the freedom we have found in Jesus. And that power is loving them. We've got the freedom to rip open the barriers for our friends and the people that we associate with on a day-to-day basis to finding the freedom we have in Jesus. And that power is loving them. Our friends are waiting for someone to love them enough, not just to settle for what is taking place in their lives, but they are waiting for someone to be motivated by the love of God to fight that the doors be open to the freedom they can have in Jesus. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to speak from John chapter 8, verse 1 through 11. It says this, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And at dawn he appeared again at the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. I want you to notice Jesus is teaching and he's interrupted. The teachers of the law and Pharisees brought this woman in. She was caught in adultery. What an embarrassing situation. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, he commands us to stone such a woman. What do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have basis for accusing him. What a terrible situation. What a terrible scenario. There are a few things I want you to realize in this passage before we move on. Calling someone to repent and exposing someone's sin are two very different things. Calling someone to repent and exposing them from their sin is two very different things. There was an agenda. 
there was an ulterior motive behind what these Pharisees were doing. Their motivation was not based in love for this woman whatsoever. Their motivation was not based on compassion. Their motivation was not to see her redeemed or set free from her sin. Their motivation was to trap Jesus in a hard situation and prevent his ministry from continuing. The scripture says that they brought the woman. They disregarded her feelings. They disregarded her privacy. They disregarded her soul. Tonight, I want us to realize that pointing out someone's sin for religious purposes is not effective in reaching lost people. Your love for lost people must be the motivation. If you don't love someone, then you don't have the right to point out their sin. Jesus loves us unconditionally. He has the right to rebuke us. There is a time and a place for rebuke and for correction, but Jesus never desires public humiliation. Never. We're never to write someone off. We're never to talk poorly about someone else's failure. We're never to to bring up someone's past just to make ourselves look good because that's exactly what these Pharisees were doing. They brought the woman to Jesus in the middle of Jesus ministering and teaching a crowd, and they interrupt by making a spectacle of this woman. Can I tell you that our culture today is no different than this? If we're not careful, a religious spirit can take over. They will test us and see how real our love is for God. They will test us to see how we will respond. Have you ever known people, they, they hear, heard that you're a Christian, and so now whenever they get around you, they say the most profane things they possibly can just to see how you'll react? You know those types of people. Man, they, they will try their hardest to get a response out of you. As a high school student, my youth group was growing. It was, it was a really cool experience. We were seeing a lot of people get saved week after week, very much like here at Real Life. And, and I was so pumped because God was doing some incredible things in some of my personal close friends. God was saving them and transforming my school. And, and the next thing that happened, um, it was really interesting because this religious spirit started creeping in. And some of the young men that uh, started before the growth happened in our youth ministry, they started complaining to our youth pastor. And I was there because I was always close to my youth pastor because I knew how much I needed a mentor in my life. And if you, if you don't have a mentor, you can have one in us. You can have one in me. You can have one in the youth leaders. I promise you we will not treat you poorly. We will love you and we will help you. And that's how I, I saw my, my youth pastor as a spiritual father, and so I invested time and energy to be as close to him as I possibly could all the time. And so what happened, this is the deal, guys. This is what happened. These, these young men started getting the ear of my youth pastor, and they're like, hey, Dave. His name was Dave. And um, they're like, Dave, um, look, we've got a lot of attractive young ladies in our youth ministry, which we did. And uh, they love Jesus, and they're here for the right reason. But here's what's happening, Pastor Dave. Um, there's these other guys that are coming to youth group. And there's, they're kind of like preying on our students. They're, they're coming to try to date our girls, Pastor Dave. What are we going to do about this? And, and it was this insecurity. It was this religious spirit. And they, they said, what are we going to do about these new guys that are coming? They complain the only reason that they're coming is because we've got pretty girls and they want to be around them. And my youth pastor taught me something that I now pass on to you tonight. It's a loving perspective 
of people who need Jesus the most. And he told us this. He said very clearly, any motivation to be in church is better than no motivation at all. Any motivation. Yeah, you can, you can, you can clap to that. Any motivation to be in church is better than no motivation at all. My youth pastor was telling us to stop focusing on the sin and start loving the sinner. Stop focusing on the, the inconsistency. Stop focusing on the failure and start actually focusing on the, the soul that is behind that, that sin. The religious and the self-righteous had written this woman off. And they cared less about her feelings and about her current spiritual state. They saw only her present depravity and not her potential salvation. And I think we do this all the time. As young people, we are walking down the halls and we are just automatically writing person after person off because we know the sin that they're involved in. And we focus on that sin way too much. We see the sin and it blinds us from seeing the sinner. Tonight, I want us to realize that someone's soul is bound to the sin that disgusts you so deeply. We have got to hate the sin but love the sinner. That's what God is calling us to as a student ministry. Tonight, I believe that the way we move our faith from strange to attractive is by loving people the way Jesus does. By loving people despite their failure. We must realize that if Jesus can forgive our sins, then he sure can forgive someone else's. If you and I are worthy of being saved, if you and I are worthy of dying on Calvary's cross, then there is no difference between me and anyone else in this room. You're worthy of Christ's sacrifice too. And if we think otherwise, we're thinking incorrectly. I want you to put, just for a moment, put yourself in this woman's shoes. Tonight in your chair, you've got a little rock. I know it's, it's small, but these men brought this woman to Jesus and said, hey, this is what she's done. Here is the sin. They elevated her sin in front of an entire crowd and said, look, this is what the law says. We're to stone her to death right here, right now because of what she's done. She's cut off. She's done. Written off. Think about how scared this woman must have been. Think about how hostile of an environment that was for her. A group of men with stones in their hands ready to kill her. And in that moment, she was being held captive by a crowd that was willing and ready to take her life from her. An instant penalty for her sin. We need to realize tonight that even people who are acting out of sinful behavior desire to be saved from the consequences of their sin. Even people that are consistently acting in sinful behavior, deep down on the inside, if you put the, yourself in their shoes, they want to be saved from the penalty of their sin. They just don't realize it yet because, get this, listen very closely, don't miss this young person. They just don't realize it yet because the people they sin with seem to love them more than the people who have their Savior. The people they sin with seem to love them more than the people who actually possess their Savior. Think about it. Put yourself in her shoes for a moment. Think about how you've been afraid when your sin took you farther than you ever wanted to go. When you wanted to be free but you didn't know how. That's where she was. 
She couldn't be set free. She was captivated. She was held bound, prisoner to her sin. This woman needs, needed someone to speak for her when she had no voice. And I'm here to tell us tonight as a student ministry, it is time for us to be the voice of a sinner who is going to hell. We have got to love them unconditionally. We've got to speak truth and love to them. We've got to love them and look beyond their sin in real life. I'm going to invite the band to come as I close. The story keeps going. John chapter 8, verse 6 says, But Jesus bent down. He started writing in the ground with his finger. They kept questioning him. The, the religious, self-righteous people kept questioning him. He straightened up and said to them, and I want you to hear this loudly and clearly. Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. I want you to put your stone in your hand right now. I want you to hold it. Jesus said this. He said, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. Again, he stooped down and began to doodle, write whatever, scribble in the, the dust of the ground. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones left first until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. I love this so much. Jesus straightened up and looked her in the face and said, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Her response is, No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Now go and leave your life of sin. Go and leave your life of sin. Can I tell you tonight that anyone you condemn is never going to be led to repent. Anyone you try to cast a hateful stone at is never going to be led. The Bible says this, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his love, his compassion for us. Jesus had the authority in her life because he loved her. He saw past her failure. And he said, look, where are your accusers? She said, I've got none. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and live your life free from this moment on. I hope you can see tonight God's heart of love tonight in this scripture. I hope you can realize that if you plan to make your faith attractive, you must be motivated by love for Jesus and love for people more than any other motivation. People are most receptive to the love of Jesus when they're broken and hurting. This woman was broken and hurting, and there's a lot of broken and hurting people that surround your life on a daily basis. And instead of writing them off, I dare you to love them because their brokenness and their pain that they're suffering through on a daily basis, some of it may be self-inflicted like this woman, but if we would see them for who they are and who God has created them to be rather than seeing their sin, then maybe, just maybe, like Jesus, we would have the authority to speak truth and love to their life and say, hey, you can go and sin no more. Tonight, God is calling us to stop giving up on people. We cannot give up on them because God has not given up on them. This woman was deep in her sin. See, you don't just arrive at adultery. 
You start on a path that leads you deeper and deeper into sin that eventually gets you to such a severe act of immorality. Some of our closest friends are in deep. They did not get there overnight. It's been a process of failure after failure after failure, a process of shame that made them feel worthless, and a process of wrong people loving them more than the ones who have been commissioned to love them the most. I've come tonight to say that powerful strongholds can be broken with sensitive grace that loves beyond the sin to love the sinner. Many theologians think that Jesus was writing in the dirt the sins of the men accusing the adulterous woman. Even if this was the case, he was not exposing it to the entire audience, just to the men who could see it. But here's my interpretation of the story. I feel that maybe, just maybe, as Jesus was riding in the dirt, what he was riding was what this woman was called to do. What he was riding is that he loves her and that this is what I've commissioned her and called her to be. Maybe he was writing how God saw her and how God loves her despite her mistakes. That's what I think he was writing because that's what she needed the most in that moment. See, if you will see things in people that no one else sees, you will then inspire them to be transformed. I want you to stand to your feet with me real quick. Tonight, I've come to tell each and every person in this room that we, the leaders of Real Life Student Ministry, see something so powerful in each and every one of you. God has ordained your life. You have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. He has purchased you. You've heard this over and over all service long. And tonight, many of you in this room have been consumed with your own personal failure that you've stopped loving yourself. You've been so trapped, you've failed so many times and it's gotten you to a point where you feel like you're stuck. Tonight, in this room, tonight, I wanna say like Jesus said to this woman, where are your accusers? There is no one in this room condemning you. There is no one in this room speaking poorly about you. God loves you. He died for you. And he wants to set you free. He wants to commission you to go and sin no more. So right now in this moment, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you're in this room and you have felt unloved, you felt unaccepted, you felt rejected by the church because you, you failed. I'm here to tell you as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, as an elder of this church, I'm here to tell you I am so sorry that we haven't loved you the way we should love you. We haven't spoken life into your spirit. I'm so sorry if you've ever sensed one of our students with a religious spirit when they're around you. Tonight, God wants to set you free from, from your past. He doesn't want to condemn you. There's no one to accuse you in this room. If you're in this room tonight and you've been bound to sin and you want to be set free, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one being a distraction, I want you to raise your hand and hold it high because Jesus wants to set you free tonight. I want to pray with you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Who else in this room? Like this woman, you feel trapped. Tonight, Jesus can push all the accusations away. Jesus can take 
the rap sheet and erase it. Anyone else in this moment, you want to give your heart to Jesus. You want to confess you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you, God. I want everybody in this place to shout, Dear Jesus, I thank you for loving me. Right now, I accept your love. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your free gift of grace. I thank you for dying on Calvary's cross, taking the penalty that I deserve. Right now, I see no accusers. Right now, I see a Savior who loves me, who cares for me, who believes in me, who wants me to succeed. So right now, I accept the commission to go and sin no more. Set me free tonight from all the things that have held me back. And I will serve you from this point on. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.